This is Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your home for common sense science-based health care. Here's your host, Dr. T.J. Williams. And welcome to the show, everyone. I am Dr. T.J. With me, as always, is Aaron. Hi. Erin is super excited for today's show, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> this is she's been she's been chomping at the bit to do this show. We're we're so excited. Do you want to do you want to intro the topic? We are talking about diet and pregnancy. Ding ding, ladies and gentlemen, diet and pregnancy. Yes, what, what to eat when you're expecting. This is so important for anyone out there who is currently pregnant. Um, or, or thinking about thinking becoming of becoming pregnant, pregnant or if you're future. yes ever whether it's you know next year or 10 years from now this is the show that you want to listen to and and hopefully you can gather some pearls um to to help you along the way so we'll we'll start this by just a couple of little scenarios so imagine if you were will um there is a 10 maybe 15 year old child with severe ADD and ADHD. And in that same room, we have a 35-year-old guy with prostate cancer. And in that same room, we have a 50-year-old lady with heart disease. And we also have a 60-year-old woman with severe osteoporosis. And we have a a 35-year-old guy with raging heart disease and diabetes. I would like for you to venture a guess on what all of those things have in common. That's right. They, the thing that they have in common is that these conditions, while they may seem wildly different... And they occurred at you know vastly different stages of their life yes uh, happening at different times in their in a person's life or in their lives these things all could have possibly started while they were in the womb because that's how important nutritional health is to us we've talked on this show before i've talked on this show that disease processes and and symptoms and problems that go wrong in the human body the tissue or the the issue that is happening is just the weakest chain in the link. If you can imagine a bicycle chain and each link on that chain is a different tissue or different bodily function or different disease process and you start pulling that chain apart, it's a perfect circle, it's all looped together and you start pulling on that chain and adding more and more and more pressure to it, eventually one of those chain links is going to break. And the one that breaks is the weakest one. That's how disease happens in the human body. The weakest link in the chain is what breaks. And so that's how we end up with this stuff. Well, you get set up by how healthy your mom was while she was carrying you. How, what did your mom eat? Did, you, did she eat the right nutrients? I mean, we all know that babies that are born to moms who are addicted to drugs are at a significant disadvantage health-wise compared to someone who is is not. But I'm here to tell you that it's possible that there are these chronic conditions started and the seeds for these chronic conditions were planted in the womb and possibly even before your mom 
became pregnant. Because we've talked about on this show before the importance of the health of the egg for fertility as well as that translates into health of the of the fetus and then the baby afterwards. Right. And I think what's really difficult for people to understand with this is that – you know, there is a connection because a lot of times you won't see the ramifications of diet until the child is well into their adult years. You know, I mean, sometimes it's earlier and that certainly can happen. Um, sometimes it can happen, you know, shortly after the baby is born. But generally, if it's just a diet issue, not, you know, something, you know, seriously wrong with the health of the mother, you're not going to see the effects of a poor diet during pregnancy until much later in the child's life. And so we don't, you know, it's been hard to put these two things together, but science is showing us that this is, it has a huge impact. And it's kind of similar to what we, you know, have now learned about breastfeeding, right? I mean, when I was a child, we didn't know that breastfeeding was that important. We thought, well, you know, why would we have breast milk when we've got formula that's fortified with vitamins. I mean, it's, you know, basically it was promoted as better than breast milk. Um, and now we know that that's wrong. Not, yeah, we know that that's not true. <laughs> and so this is really, you know, research is now showing us that the uh, the diet of the mother has, you know, these uh, has a huge impact on the health of the child. And I think, you know, my big push and why I wanted to do this is um, I don't know if we've talked about this on the show, but I've got a few weeks left now in my second pregnancy. And so I just keep uh, seeing, you know, posts on social media and different things um, about, you know, women who are saying, you know, basically, I, you know, all I want to eat is cereal or all I, you know, and and all of these things. And while there is, you know, definitely the ability to be, you know, too strict. I mean, you know, pregnancy is hard enough on its own. Um, I think that women would be reaching for different options if they knew how much their diet actually affects the health of their baby. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Yay. So exciting. So basically this whole idea that the nutritional environment that we, that we have while we're in the womb affects our health. Um, it became a theory, right? And the theory um, was the developmental origins of health and disease theory. Um, and another, it, it, sometimes you may read this if you're just reading in some, some various literature, you might see written the Barker hy- hypothesis. So this British guy, David Barker, back in the 80s, proposed this theory that, which now it's just this groundbreaking landmark study. But at the time, it was just this little theory that he had. And the study found that that ended up being this just massive, huge impact on you know on science and and every and everything that we know about the health of the baby in the womb. They found that the biggest predictor of whether or not a person was going to develop heart disease wasn't smoking or any other lifestyle cause. It was the weight of the baby at birth. This is why birth weight is so important. So he followed up with research, and this supported and expanded on the finding. And then they started. Then they concluded that babies born to that were born small to mothers who were malnourished were at a higher risk of developing hypertension, heart disease, 
coronary heart disease, as well as type 2 diabetes later in life. And we've talked on this show ad nauseum about heart disease and diabetes and how terrible these things are. I mean, heart disease is the number one killer in America and diabetes complications. So many people are suffering with diabetes that it's it's senseless. It's needless. It doesn't have to be that way. But these things, by being malnourished in the womb, you're setting yourself up there or the mothers are setting up their babies for these problems later in life. And I think if more women knew, just like what Aaron said, if more women knew that what they were doing was going to have an impact, it wasn't the genetics of the child, it was what they were fed, had that big of an impact on their adult lives or them later in life as a, as a you know, teenager or older, the mothers would change their tunes on what they're eating. And that if we there's an issue with gestational diabetes, um, you know, there are blood sugar handling issues during pregnancy, women know, okay, I've got to change what I'm eating because that can affect the baby. But we don't think about it absent that, right? I mean, most women go through one test during pregnancy to test for gestational diabetes. And if they're clear, then they don't worry about it. But Well, well let's, let's be clear about what's really happening with that test. If you fail that gestational diabetes test, then they bring you back for another one. Right. And you have to fail both. If you don't fail the second one, you have to fail. You're fine, right? You have to if you pass two of the three because there are three parts in the second one, right? And we don't take I don't take the gestational diabetes test no. if you if you no. if that's not obvious um, no. by the fact that we are not clear on that. Um, no, we pass on the gestational diabetes test. I monitor my blood sugar like crazy during well, pregnancy. We we pass for a reason. We pass because you have three autoimmune conditions that we've got taken care of at this point, but we don't want to dump uh, all this sugar in on someone who has an uh, you know an autoimmune condition that's just throwing gasoline on a fire that we've basically got put out right and my diet is low in sugar anyway because of the autoimmunity right i'm i mean all of these things we talk about on the show i actually implement in my own life um not to say that i don't ever have any sugar because i do um and i'm probably worse with it during pregnancy just to be honest um especially during the first and third trimesters it's harder and anyone who's been pregnant gets that you do have you know cravings but i'm very uh deliberate with what i choose to eat, you know, I mean, generally it's fruit or it's, you know, I mean, I'm not eating candy bars and things like that. Um, I'm not eating gluten. I'm not having dairy. You know, I mean, there are certain things I'm still staying away from. But I think that. And also quantify the the amount you eat. Yeah, you might eat a little bit of fruit because I, I pick on fruit a lot on here. And I, I tell and people he picks don't on me for eating fruit. <laughs> don't eat. But I, I may maybe I do. But at the same time. You don't. It's not like you go get a quart or a pint of strawberries and eat an entire pint of strawberries. She eats a handful. Yeah, it's it's a completely different thing. And I, you know, we got to take a break. When we come back, let's continue talking about this. I, this is a, this is very important for people because I want to talk about how we offset you know any kind of sugar that you consume with things like protein and fat, right? We'll be back after this. You're listening to Wellness 101. You're listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone 314-293-8123.
and welcome back to the show, everyone. If you're just tuning in today on the show, we're talking about um, diet while you're pregnant and what you should be eating when you're having a baby or if you're thinking about having a baby and how the foods that you consume while carrying a baby has an impact on that fetus and in not only the fetus, but on that person throughout their entire life. And how it sets them up for various diseases by, you know, not eating healthy. And right before the break, we were talking about how, you know, Aaron is is expecting here in a few weeks, and and how we don't do the the gestational diabetes test. We don't do it because, you know, she has three autoimmune conditions that we basically have under control at this moment, and. We do monitor blood sugar. I want to be very clear. I think yes. I mentioned that before. Um, Multiple I, times a day. Yeah, a day. She, um, she, she basically monitors it like a diabetic. That's literally <laughs> what we do. I'm crazy about it because she, I want to make sure is. that I'm in range. And I and to be honest about that, I had no problem during my first pregnancy and during this pregnancy there's, I can tell at certain times, um, you know, like we just talked, what was it last night or two nights ago, I had a piece of gluten-free bread. I made toast with my meal and um, my blood sugar was higher than I wanted it to be. And it's, you know, but it's being aware of that. I won't do that again. Um, and it's well, not something it, that I normally do. But I go back and look at it. I'm like, okay, how much how, how much protein and how many, how many how much fat were we right. consuming? And the protein content was high enough, but the fat content wasn't. And so it's just a matter of, you know, we can offset that by making sure that we get enough fat and protein because fat and protein is what blunts the sugar rise. Right. And what I have found is that while I can tell a difference somewhat in how I feel, that's not always a good indicator. There are times when... um, you know, when I don't feel great after I eat and my blood sugar is perfectly fine. There are times when I feel totally fine and my blood sugar is a little higher than I'd want it. So I think that's um, an important lesson that I've learned is that you can't just go by how you feel on it either, which is why I would rather just monitor. Um, But it goes to show that, you know, I mean, every pregnancy is different. um, And, you know, the very, a very little change in your diet can affect your blood sugar. Yeah. So let's get into, I want to, I want to talk just a little bit about some different studies, um, but, and then, and then get into, you know, some, some very specific things of what to eat and what, what not, what to stay away from. Um, you're, you're, you, if you listen to the show, you already know what we're going to tell you to stay away from. Um, but, there's there's some research out there where they're they're taking these these this data and this information they're they're running this data in various ways and they're starting to figure out that basically Barker's Barker's whole theory it originally focused on how maternal and fetal malnutrition contributes to heart disease and you know things like diabetes the newer studies are are starting to pick apart and show additional diseases that that happen from the mom and the fetus being under or overfed, and they're tying this stuff back to very specific choices in diet. So we've talked on this show before about you know this the, the United States we're a country of overfed, undernourished. We eat a lot of calories without nutrients in them, and so we're just we've got this overfed overfed situation. So one of the things that they're showing is diabetes and obesity. So they're showing that that a mother's con, uh, consumption of a 
you know, Western diet or standard American diet, which is, you know, your diet that's high in sugar, high in refined carbohydrates, high in, high in, um, you know, these processed seed oils like corn oil and canola oil, that's going to cause the child to develop diabetes and obesity later in life. And what's sad is later in life is starting to be like 10. You're starting to see kids that are type 2 diabetic at as early as 10. Uh, yeah, and I think that we've um, talked about this on the show before. Um, when parents bring their children into us, we uh, are you know testing for a number of these things. And it's amazing, you know, the amount of problems that kids are having younger and younger that we were we've even been surprised about um and we generally can tie that back to diet and um a lot of times diet during pregnancy i mean once we start talking about the kids diet you know we're like okay how did you eat you know while you were pregnant oh well i i didn't even think about it you know i just ate whatever i wanted while i I ate ice cream and pickle sandwiches (laughs) i mean it just you know i mean a lot of people that's how they during pregnancy and so it really does make a difference yeah yeah it, it really does um, and what what's really interesting about the diabetes and obesity thing there was one study now it was just observational but there was one study that showed an association between the maternal the mom having a high gluten intake and the development of type 1 diabetes in their child Yikes. And that's important because I know that there are a lot of pregnant women out there who are really getting most of their calories, you know, during pregnancy from gluten. Yep. <laughs> lots of lots of gluten consuming. Yes. Um, another one is it has to do with cognition. So if the maternal diet is high in sugar, um, especially from things like sweetened beverages. So you're drinking your liquid sugar, your high fructose corn syrup. That has been linked to very poor childhood cognition. So they develop worse nonverbal. They have poor nonverbal ability and poor verbal memory. This is terrible, right? And so what they what they found is on the on the other side of that spectrum. So we've talked about sugars and fats. If they if the mom had a very high intake of fatty fish, that was linked to improved neurodevelopment and increases in choline intake, which is uh, choline is a is a is a product. There's uh, egg yolk has high levels of of choline in it during pregnancy. uh, Produces cognitive benefits for the child. I mean, these things are – it's the diet that we consume for for the mothers is so important. Um, there are studies on cancer. Now, the, the cancer studies are typically done on rats. This is not something that's done in humans. But women are the, – the mom, the mama rats, if they had low-protein diets, those were risk factors for the development of slow-growing prostate cancers in their male offspring later in life. Um then we've got things like ADHD. There are a lot of studies that are making connections between the maternal nutrition and the development of ADD, ADHD. Um, this is this is a big issue, and they're even showing one of the one of the most recent studies shows that low maternal HDL levels. So that's the that's the quote good cholesterol is associated with an increased risk of ADHD, especially in boys. 
and another one, an unhealthy diet that was high in fat and sugar from processed foods was linked to ADHD symptoms. So that goes out there. That's all the, the pregnant women out there who are reaching for Doritos and, and things like that, very highly processed foods. You're increasing the, the risk of development of ADHD in your kids. Yikes. Yikes. And a Western diet also, if they when they start looking at just the Western diet in, as a whole, you're looking at it and that has an impact and causes things like ADHD and depression and anxiety in the kids. So we could it's possible that we're literally the mothers are literally consuming foods that are developing, you know, they're contributing to the development of these of ADD, depression, anxiety. Especially when you you know, add on the fact that a lot of kids that are that have that are suffering with ADHD and depression and anxiety are eating that same food. Right. They're eating highly processed, high sugar um, foods. Because if that's what the mother is eating, generally they're not. I mean, obviously they don't think it's a huge deal, right? So they yeah. wouldn't have an issue you, with feeding it to their children. You learn healthy eating habits or your eating habits, healthy or unhealthy, whatever they are, from your parents. If you watch your parents eat junk, you're going to eat junk. It's the same if you if your parents smoke, you have a much higher risk of smoking later in life. It's just going to happen. Right. I mean, almost everyone that I know whose parents smoked, they smoke. That's just people that's just people in my life that I know. And so it it makes a huge difference. And I think that it's difficult for people to put the two together. Um, you know, like with ADHD and depression and anxiety um, with what they were eating during pregnancy. You don't think about that. And I get it. I mean, that's why we're doing the show on it, right? To um, to talk about the research that shows that there is a correlation. But it's similar to what we've talked about before with, you know, food sensitivities, where we're like, okay, it's really hard to find to figure out on your own if you're having a sensitivity to a particular food because you can have the symptoms 72 hours later. Well, here we're talking about years, right? I mean, so if you can't connect something back for 72 hours, how are you going to connect it back for years? So we just, um, you know, the research is actually showing that this is a correlation. I think a lot of people who are dealing with um, anxiety, depression, ADHD, things like that in their children have not even thought about the fact that this might be uh, the cause of the problem. That is correct. And here's here's an even scarier piece of this puzzle. So there there are studies that are showing that the consequences of poor maternal nutrition can persist through three generations. So now we're talking about three generations from you. That's not your children. That's not your grandchildren. We're talking about affecting your great-grandchildren. Things that you're doing affect your great-grandchildren, right? And how is that happening? That's happening because during pregnancy, that's when the baby's epigenetic markers start lighting up and they start showing up. So that's what allows these uh, – we've talked about epigenetics on here bef- on the show before. Epigenetics are what 
turns your genes on and off. Your genetic makeup isn't what determines your health. It's your epigenetics. It's the choices that you make that turn certain genes on or off that have this impact. And while the baby is in utero, these epigenetic markers are happening. And these things are modified by the nutrients that are in the mother's blood at the time of conception, and they're passed down from generation to generation to generation. That's why it's so important that if you're thinking of getting pregnant, you've got to get your nutritional status right because what your what your what your nutritional status is is affecting your great grandchildren. Put that in your pipe and smoke it. I mean, that is very very powerful stuff and I think if we focused more on that, we would change nutrition from 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 the we would completely change the health of the country because if women would all unite, they're the ones that drive healthcare anyway. They would all unite and say, well, "You know what? We're not going to put up with this because this is making our kids, our grandkids, and our great grandkids sick." Because what we're fed and what we're our choices are are these crappy processed foods that are high in sugar and high in fat and processed refined seed oils and all this junk. If they would rise up and say, "We're not going to consume this stuff anymore." Things would change, and they would change for the better. And I believe it's starting to. It I is do. starting to. Um, we're seeing more. Be- we're seeing better choices available in in our grocery stores. But there's more that can be done because the word needs to be spread to more people. Right. All right, we got to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to continue talking about things that you should eat while you're pregnant, or if you're thinking of becoming pregnant. You're listening to Wellness 101. You're listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone, 313-8123. And welcome back to the show, everyone. Today on the show, if you're just tuning in, we're talking about um, diet while you're pregnant, or we've kind of transitioned this into not only while you're pregnant, but also if you're thinking of becoming pregnant. Um, and so we're doing this show kind of, well, Aaron is, is, I think most of our listeners know Aaron's expecting, and, and she's, we're, she's doing uh, just a few weeks Um it, the it time TikTok. It's getting yep. close. It's get, it's getting close, ladies and gentlemen. It's about to get real. Um, so we were just talking about studies that are shown um, that that are looking at different things and different connections that are going on between um, a mama's diet and while while pregnant. These are actual studies of of mamas while they're pregnant and how that impacts the kids. And we just talked about um, ADHD. And now there's one, um, there's a lot of evidence that's showing that maternal nutrition has very long-term, very strong long-term influences on bone metabolism in the kids. So that's increasing risk of developing osteoporosis if the maternal nutrition is not the way it's supposed to be. And we've talked, um, we were talking before the break that, what you eat, mamas, impacts three generations beyond you. And so that's just what you're what you're doing is affecting your great grandchildren because it's affecting the epigenetics and how your how the epigenetics are the markers are placed and how this is expressed. So this this is 
epigenetics are what drives your health. You're not a you're not a, a subject of your genes. Your your genetics don't don't mean you know don't necessarily mean that you're going to have a specific thing. Just because your you know your your mom had heart disease and your grandma had heart disease doesn't mean that you're going to have heart disease. You can you can change that by affecting your epigenetics, but you you still are, are set up for it. And so making the right food choices and getting you know proper nutrition in the body and making sure your vitamin and mineral statuses are where they're supposed to be optimally, not just getting, you know, the 100% of the RDA, which we've, you know, talked about on this show is a, is pitiful. Um, that's just the amount that you need to not get the disease associated with not having enough of that nutrient. That has nothing to do with optimal health, right? Making sure that your nutrition levels are optimal, that's what you want to do if you're pregnant or thinking of, of becoming pregnant. And so, Shifting gears a little bit, things to not eat while you're pregnant, um, you know, we've, you've got to stay away from the standard American diet that is, not, that is not good for you. And, you know, we know that there's not one specific diet that is, is perfect for everyone um, except for a food sensitivity diet. If you're following your food sensitivities, you, you know what you should and shouldn't be eating. Um, and you can supplement accordingly, especially if you're, you know, supposed to avoid an entire, you know, group of foods based on your food sensitivities. You can you can supplement those nutrients um, with with high quality with high quality nutrition. But we want to make sure that we're eating um, nutrient dense plant and animal foods. That's what we've got to do. Ancestral type diets typically um, work well um, and can help you avoid um, avoid deficiencies. So one of the, some of the things that, that we recommend for while you're pregnant is making sure you get fat-soluble vitamins, A, D, E, and K. Um, vi- now, I say that vitamin A has, a, has this reputation for being very danger- dangerous during pregnancy. There are levels that you don't want to exceed, and we're very aware of that. But it's very, very crucial for um, fetal development. It prevents deafness and an internal organ displacement, like your organs can be in the wrong place. Now, it's extremely toxic in high doses, um, especially if you don't have enough vitamin K2 and vitamin D. But if you have enough vitamin K2 and you have enough vitamin D, the toxicity threshold for vitamin A is extremely high. It really, truly is. So, Granted, you're going to have to test. You're going to have to know what your levels are of vitamin K and vitamin D. Otherwise, you have to go by the guidelines of, you know, what how much vitamin A to consume. Right? That's that's extremely important. Um, vitamin D helps the placenta function. Um, it helps to play a role in in how the fetus's lungs develop. It protects um, the heart in a in a newborn. And vitamin K also um, promotes healthy development of the face, skull, and nervous system. So these are all very important nutrients. Um, And the foods that you're going to get A, D, and K from would be things like liver, beef, um, goose, um, cod liver oil, salmon, dark leafy greens. Wild-caught salmon. Wild-caught salmon. Make sure you're eating wild-caught salmon. Yes, wild-caught salmon. Um, Dark leafy greens, things like kale, spinach, collard greens, mustard greens, beet greens. Um, that's that's what we're what's we what we want to have now. The RDA is is kind of pitiful. Um, it's 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 not not really adequate. Um, so you know 
you can you can sub if you if you're working with a functional medicine practitioner, you can work with them and they'll they they should be able to walk you through properly supplementing um, with with vitamin A, um, D, and K to make sure that your levels are where they're supposed to be and keep you out of danger from from having any kind of toxicity with that. But again, you're going to be tested. There's not a just, oh, here, take this amount and you'll be fine. Nope. You got to have those tests ran. You got to know what your levels are. It's really important. Um, now, you know, the like I said, there's there's RDAs for vitamin D and there's RDAs for vitamin K. Well, no, actually, I don't think there is one for RDA, uh, for K, um, for K2 specifically. Um, but the RDAs are, are are not they're not enough. Um, like I said, it's just a, that's just enough nutrients to to not have a deficiency associated with that with that nutrient or a disease associated with that nutrient deficiency. Rather, um, folate folate's a big one. Um, now, a lot of people that's B nine. A lot of that's a lot of people are get messed up here, and they talk about folic acid. Folic acid is actually not good for humans. Um, you really want to have folate. In an ideal situation, you have the activated form of folate, 5-methyltetrahydrofolate or 5-MTHF. That's the form of folate that your body's actually going to be able to do. You want to look at folate concentration in something, not folic acid. Right, and that's one of the reasons why um, we have an issue with especially the you know, most of the prescribed prenatal vitamins, most of the prenatal vitamins out there, period, have folic acid in them, um, which is not what you want. And and most of you out there, when by the time you go to the doctor and say, "Oh, oh, I'm I I missed my period. I might be pregnant." You take the pregnancy test. You get your your uh, appointment with your OB. You're six to seven weeks in, maybe a little more than that, and then they prescribe your um, prenatals. Well, the problem is that all the neural tube development that should have taken place and demanded your need, you know, made you had to have folate for, it's already over. Um, you missed the window on having enough folic acid or, uh, or folate rather in your in your system. You want to stay away from things like folic acid. But, you know, folic acid doesn't prevent the neural tube defects. Folate does. Um, that's the thing that you're after. Now, folate-rich foods are your dark leafy greens, spinach, turnip, mustard, collard greens, etc. You're also going to find this stuff in cruciferous vegetables, um, things like broccoli, cauliflower, um, beets, um, lentils, other beans. Um, I'm not a huge fan of lentils, um, but then you're also going to find it in liver, um, in calf and chicken, and calf and chicken livers. Um, you know, if you're if you're wanting to get pregnant. You gotta you gotta be getting at least a, a gram of of folate every single day, um, at least a gram um, or milligram rather, not a gram. My gosh, a gram! I don't know what you'd do with a gram um, because folate is is measured in micrograms. Um, so a thousand micrograms is going to be one milligram. Um, we we tend to use. Um, we tend to use a little more than that, but it just kind of depends. We're we're you know using a five MTHF form of folate. We're using an active folate form of folate when we're working with our patients in our in our office. Um, all right, we got to take a break. When we come back, we're going to continue talking about some of the foods that are important to eat while you're expecting. You're listening to Wellness 101. You're listening to Wellness 101, brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. 
or by phone, 314-293-8123. Playing on the radio, sipping on your latte, drawing on your window, you feel like second nature, read it in your eyes, I don't And welcome back to the show, everyone. Um, if you're just tuning in, you've uh, you've missed a, a pretty good show today. We're talking about diet and pregnancy and things to what to eat when you're expecting, and really what you should eat, you know, long before you're expecting or or you know deciding that you want to become pregnant. Um, and we, right before the break, we were talking about folate. Um, I've got a couple more things that I want to I want to get to, and then talk about some things that are that you absolutely have to avoid. Um, while you're while you're pregnant, um, choline. I mentioned this earlier. Choline is extremely important. Yeah, we're still on things that you need. Yeah, these are this is something that you need. Um, choline is extremely important. Um, and while you're pregnant, the the need for choline goes up. But research shows us that ninety, maybe even ninety five percent of pregnant women fail to meet the recommended choline intakes, not the optimal choline intakes. Not the, Those are way higher. The recommended choline intakes. Now, this is a problem um, because choline is very essential not only for growth and development, but it's important when it comes to cognition. Um, and so the, the foods that you can consume that are really high in choline – uh, would be things like um, eggs. I talked about that earlier. Eggs are very, very high in choline. Um, the whites and the yolks have it, but the yolks have a have a pretty high concentration. Um, beef liver, uh, or beef and liver, and you know just muscle meat. Um, that that's what we're after. Um, cruciferous vegetables, things like cauliflower, broccoli have choline in them. Potatoes even have choline in them. Um, Pregnant women have to get at least 450 milligrams of choline a day. If you're if you're breastfeeding or la- if you're lactating or breastfeeding, you need more than that. You need a, at least 550 milligrams per day. You've got to get this stuff in your system. And if you can't get it from dietary places, you can always supplement it. Look for look for supplements that contain phosphatidylcholine. Um, a lot of, a lot of prenatal supplements and, and multivitamins don't have choline in them. Um, we use a lot of liposomal forms of nutrition in our body or in our body, in our, uh, practice for our patients. And the liposomes are, they're, they're in a phosphatidylcholine, um, fat. That's what they're, that's what they're in. That's, I'm just trying to think of the, the, the exact terminology. Phosphatidylcholine is, is in the, in that, that, in the in the liposomal form. So if you're if you're looking for a way to increase liposomes uh, or increase uh, choline intake, liposomal forms of new of vitamins um, can do that for you. Um, another thing that you want to make sure to do is get enough omegas. Um, it, you want to have these omega threes, especially DHA. Um, there are a lot of places for um, high DHA products um, for for uh, fish oils. Um, DHA concentrates in the in the eyes and the gray matter of the brain, um, which can protect those those tissues from oxidative damage. Um, and we we are not going to get enough DHA from plant foods. Um, it's a very common misconception that you're going to get enough. 
Um, it doesn't seem that that's the case. We got to get some DHA from from some seafood um, sources, whether that's from fatty fish or if you're taking a, a fish oil supplement. Um, we we definitely need to get that there. Um, now we've got to be careful with mercury levels in fish, but you want to cons- you want to be consuming low mercury fish. Um, and fish that's high in selenium, which protects against the adverse effects of, of mercury toxicity. Um, those are those are things. So the the stuff that we're looking for is things like salmon, um, wild sar- caught. Oh, wow, <laughs> that's the second. Do not time. get farm caught salmon. <laughs> farm raised. Farm yeah. raised is terrible. Or farm um, caught. Yeah, farm raised. <laughs> or farm caught. Whatever. Um, they're not hard to catch when they're on a farm. No, they're not. <laughs> they're not. Um, but it's not good for you. And a lot of people will get farm-raised salmon and think, well, I'm being healthy. So you need to get wild-caught salmon. Yes. Same thing with sardines, cod liver, uh, oil or cod. Um, another thing that you got to get while you're pregnant is iron. You've got to be got to get enough iron. Anemia is a big problem during pregnancy, and it's easily avoided if we get enough iron in our diet. Um, so you got to just... Pay attention to that. Um, things that have a lot of iron would be things like liver, clams, um, spinach, other leafy greens. Some dried herbs have have uh, iron in them. So those are things that you need to get. Stuff that you absolutely have to avoid. We've talked about it a million times. White sugar, white flour, cereal grains, including whole wheat. Whole wheat is not necess- is not your friend. Right. Right. And like and as far as cereals, too, I mean, even if you think they are healthy cereals, cereals should be avoided. I mean, you've got to cut those out or at least greatly reduce them because we hear this all that all the time. Well, I'm not eating sugary cereal. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's still cereal. Yeah, it's still cereal. <laughs> it's still a problem. You, you change out the cereal for for some sort of meat and vegetable. Um, much, much better choice. Um, and it gets easier once you cut it out. I mean, I get it. Yeah. Like if you're used to eating it, the thought of not eating it is like, you know, it's petrifying. Yeah. I mean, because I know that, you know, that's what you're craving. But the less, you know, the more you're able to cut it out, the less that you eat of it, the less you're actually going to crave it. So it's it won't always be as hard as it is right at the beginning. Right. It's always it's always hardest at the at the very beginning when you're starting things. It literally a week in and and things change. I mean, I just the other day I just had a a, a first visit follow up where we actually went over a, a, a gentleman's stuff and he'd already talked about his food sensitivities. He'd been back and and talked about his food sensitivities. He'd been engaged in his food sensitivity diet for three weeks, and he had already seen massive changes. Weight loss, clothes were fitting differently. He was feeling better, and he had some very specific things. He's a big coffee drinker in the morning, and that was a a thing for him. He didn't even miss it. It was it was hard the day or first day or two, but he didn't even miss it. And the same is true with with these cereals and things like that. It, once you once you have uh, kept got them out of your diet, it's not that big of a deal. It's not as scary. Um, and then stay away from processed soy, soy milk, soy protein. Um, those things can have a lot of estrogens that that you don't want to have in your system. And then industrial seed oils, things like soy. Corn oil, canola oil, we've got to stay away from that stuff. Now, one thing that I do want to point out, um, the the study that we were talking about earlier, the developmental origins of health and disease theory, um, and the study that goes along with that, all that research 
it really talks about the first thousand days of life, um, which start at conception. So you've got nine months worth. Um, so 270 days, 25 percent of that is is before you're born is the most crucial for positive dietary exposures. So your diet in the months and years leading up to conception, they're all so important. You want to be the healthiest you you possibly can. Get on this early and save yourself and your your children's children's children, um, <laughs> which is that's that what's what it is. Save them the trouble by by taking their health into your hands. It's something that you can control. All right, we got through it, Aaron. Can you believe it? That's all the time we've got for today. Um, if you want more information, visit our website, theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com. Give us a call. Our number is 314-293-8123. Please follow us on socials. Go to iTunes. Subscribe to our podcast. For Aaron, I'm Dr. TJ. This has been Wellness 101. Thanks for listening. Wellness 101 has been brought to you by the Institute of Natural Health, your destination for functional medicine in St. Louis. For more information, visit them online at theinstituteofnaturalhealth.com or by phone 314-293-8123.